Welcome to Ultimate Eleven, the football podcast where celebrity fans pick their favourite players. Thank you for joining me again to episode two. Um, If you haven't already, then please subscribe to the podcast and follow it on Twitter at Ultimate underscore Eleven. The Eleven is Roman numerals, don't forget. And share this with uh, fellow football fans, um, anyone who you think might be interested in listening. Um, this week we're joined by another comedian. Seems to be a bit of a theme uh, with this podcast so far. Um, but this time I'm joined by Carl Donnelly, who's an excellent comedian. Uh, you'll recognise him from TV, from shows like Mock the Week and uh, Alan Davies As Yet Untitled. Um, and also he has his own very, very funny podcast with another comedian, uh, which is called Two Vegan Idiots. So check that out. Um but today, Carl is here to talk to us about Tottenham Hotspur and his favourite Spurs players. Uh, it's a great episode. Lots and lots of fun to chat with with Carl and talk about some classic Spurs legends. Um, a big fan of the team that he's picked and some of the people in it. And so I hope you are too. Uh, let me know what you think of Carl's team and let Carl know as well if you agree or disagree on who your favourite Spurs players are. Um, but for now, let's get into it. Here is Carl Donnelly's Ultimate Tottenham Hotspur 11. Carl Donnelly, welcome to the show. Welcome to Ultimate 11. Hello. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Just um, I did a wolf down my dinner a bit quick just before uh, recording this. So I might have a few uh, off mic burps coming around, coming your way i'll try and get, i'll try and aim as aim as far away as possible what did you have first question well i mean this is i think we're gonna i'm gonna lose a lot of people straight off the bat but um i had um vegan chicken kievs which is uh it's okay. basically marks and spencers have marks and spencers for many years was the worst supermarket for like any vegan stuff and then they've just really They've almost like they thought we can we need to make up for lost time. So now they've got like this amazing range of like vegan alternative things. And they, we saw these chicken Kievs and thought this can't be right. Bought them and they're quality. They taste like good old fashioned, like nineties crap chicken Kievs. <laughs> it's like amazing. it's a real like blast from the past. As you're a big Spurs fan, I am. Yeah, I've been a, a lifelong Spurs fan, and um, which you know. It's been f- fun in the last handful of years. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in that really s- sad age group, I think, who I, I'm too young to really remember. I'm even too young to fully remember like the late 80s. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 38, so I was born in 1982. So even like 88 and things are, are a bit of a blur. Like I just about have a memory of like the 91 FA Cup final. But no, I don't remember the final. So I just have an, a, a sort of fleeting memory that we won the cup. But like since then, you know, as I've as I became old enough to fully become a Tottenham fan, it was bleakness forever until pretty much Harry Redknapp came along and things livened up a bit. 
Yeah, it has been. It's the last 10 years, I suppose, isn't it? Like, was it like 2009, 10 when Harry yeah. kind of came about and sort of and it, a real sort of sense of swagger to the definitely. team with like Van der Vaart and Bale. And yeah, and obviously it was guys. a lovely little, uh, you know, alignment of stars that we just suddenly had yeah. some players that, you know, just gelled and, you know, we were fun to watch as well. We were still, you know, spursy, as they say, you know, we could <laughs> we could really lose a... We could lose a three 0 lead, you know, like no one else. But it it just there was a period of time where we it I think the sort of the clouds lifted and it was lovely. And like now I get I get quite frustrated with young Tottenham fans, you know, in their sort of twenties or whatever, who, you know, have quite high expectations for Tottenham because they don't know what it was like to live in that hinterland of the old glory days and now where it was actually pretty bleak. You know, just yeah, to, oh, especially Arsenal fan, Arsenal fan mates were just giving me grief for twenty years. Yeah, it's funny you use the word Spursy because I was I was going to bring it up because I'm a little bit younger than you, but I remember yeah that sort of late nineties, uh, early two thousands. Spurs were just a, a bit of a nothing team. <laughs> they just kind of mid table, there or thereabouts, kind of perennial. Yes. Just. Not overachievers, not underachievers, just existers. Yeah, and we really commented a, a number of like tenth place finishes, didn't we? Yeah, but I also feel like there's, you know, you could name at least sort of six or seven other clubs that fall exactly into that character, into that category. Yes, and none of them have their own like adjective to describe them. True, you describe, a, you know, the team as sort of a bit Evertony. Like, no, like Spurs seem to have been labelled with that. Well, I think that is because we've got you know some of the all-time great losses from a victory. Do you know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it's and it, 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 any Spurs fan of a certain age will just have that part of them that genuinely, if we're freeing up at half time, will think we oh, we need another one. <laughs> it's like you know, what I mean, that's mental when you think about it. No other football team would be freeing up and think you know we really need to start shoring it up at the back. But we yeah. just we've we've been burnt so many times. Weirdly, the, it it has just cleared this. Obviously, under Mourinho, yeah, up until the last, I'd say the last six weeks, maybe. Um, I don't think we've been playing particularly good football under Mourinho. We've been playing yeah. Mourinho boring football, and it's only since Kane came back from fitness and Son kicked into gear, and you know, basically, I think. You know, his style of football with a good attacking line is suddenly looking like fun football, but we've been pretty boring. So under Mourinho, that fear sort of has dissipated and it wasn't until West Ham, like it, we, we all got a bit too complacent. I'm like, we, we're, we're fine now. We can defend the lead, you know, or at least not going to lose. And then the West Ham match was just, yeah. it was almost like a ghost of Christmas past to remind <laughs> us of who we are. A throwback. My mate, I put it on Twitter. My mate um, texted me at half time of the West Ham match because we looked amazing for about yeah. fifteen minutes of that first half. We looked like us at our best of any season I can remember. And uh, my mate messaged me at half time saying we're going to win the league. <laughs> and I replied <laughs> and went, "You're an idiot, mate. He's the same age as me. He's been a Tottenham fan his whole life." I was like, "Have you le- never learned anything?" Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I'm much more of a cynic. So I just, even though now, weirdly, I say we've probably got our best chance of winning the league in years. Even the, like you know that year we were sniffing around second under Pochettino and stuff. Quite, 
you know, even around Christmas, we were looking decent. And I still yeah. thought we're never going to get near it. Whereas this year, it's just the sort of thing, because I was so critical of Mourinho, it's just the sort of thing he'd do is go and win the league <laughs> to spite me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but no, what I mean is like he genuinely, it, I, there is a sense of like it's going to be a quite a low scoring year. I think it's going to be all over the shop. There's going to be a lot of, I think, a lot of weird results coming in. So I, I, don't, I think if any any year somebody out of the ordinary could win it, it's going to be this year, I think. Yeah, and I think out of the ordinary is right. Like, I mean, your your best chance previously was the year that Leicester won it. Yes. I think if if Leicester hadn't have, you know, played like a bunch of freaks for the entire season, then you possibly some of the other big teams could have yeah could have snuck in and won it. But I think yeah, this season is going to be similar in that with all the changes, with lockdown, with all the COVID precautions, with the fans coming back potentially but only 2000 or 4000 or whatever it is like it's going to be a really strange season liverpool and well liverpool got off to a good start but their you know their injury list is huge yeah, city have got off to a terrible start um you got teams like like my team like saints and everton who are you know top 6 for the first time in you know a number of seasons yeah. i think it could be it could be another real roller coaster season where I think so. It's going to be a new team who win the Premier League for the first time. Like, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. What's happened to Southampton is remarkable, in my mm. opinion. Like, because we um, when we were, what was it? When we were the last season, we were at Wembley. Um, I went to watch. It was around Christmas. I went to watch Southampton, Tottenham. Like, at, so it was. You know, you were away, so I get that. We weren't playing that great. I genuinely, it was you were the worst team I saw us play that year. And I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that to sort of dig you out. I'm saying like I think I can't remember what the score was. It was like three one or something or three nil. But it, we just, I've never, I've never felt so bored watching us beat a team. Like it, you just had nothing. Like I remember, like my one of my good mates, um, Paul McCaffrey, is a really good comedian. He's a big Saints fan, and like he was telling me that season that like you were just going to go down and you know everyone yeah. was a real darkness over the club like so to go from that to you know some of the football you're playing now is pretty amazing yeah and we have a pretty terrible record against spurs as well especially yes, away there is that i think was it well the start of this season what was it 5 or 6 1 5 1 yes like or 5 0 and then the season before i think you won 6 2 or something like that <laughs> it's just yeah it's, oh. it, it's not a good week to have Southampton defenders yeah, or keepers yeah. in your fantasy team if you're away at Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Normally they're yeah. a pretty safe bet, but not away at Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how has it been picking your all-time favourite Spurs eleven? Have you gone for more like favourite players, or have you tried to pick like the best Spurs team? No, I've gone favourite players, but I do think a lot of it would be, oh, most of it would be the best. I, I, I did have to, I overrode myself a couple of times where. I, I, you know, there was there was two options in a position, and I thought one of them was more of the, like I loved them, but they were a bit piss really when you actually put them <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, but so like you know, so I did override myself and go for the person to make the better team, and then, you know, there's a couple of little cheats in there. Like there's one person in the position that you'd never put them in now, but it's really it's fun though. It's been yeah, it's nice. It's you know, there was a couple that like sort of. I mean, well, I won't say them, but 
there's one person I forgot and then I thought I can't you can't have a an all-time Tottenham 11 without him so I had to then go back and drop somebody which was a tough decision a <laughs> tough conversation to have I'm looking forward to hearing who the piss options were though for each position as well yeah, there wasn't one. There wasn't bad ones for every position. But it was, there was no. There were good players, but they were more just of a time when I first was f- falling in love with football as a young kid, and they were the ones that happened to be in the team. Yeah. And uh, what formation are you playing? Uh, going for a lovely four-three-three. Nice, nice. An attacking four-three-three or a bit of a defensive four-three-three. Oh, it's an it's an attacking. Yeah, I think it is attacking. Yeah, there's no there's no one here. Out of that, in that three, who's going to be getting too stuck in? <laughs> I, mean, I think it's a it's a very flare-ridden uh, midfield. All right, I mean Wilson Palacios can stop listening now. Then <laughs> Palacios and Sandro did make it onto the novelty <laughs> list. I will say, Sandro for a period of time was my favourite Tottenham player for some reason. I just really loved him. He was a real nutter. Good, like he's yeah. a proper Brazilian sort of live wire. Yeah, he had a real. He had like a talking about fantasy football again. I'm sure he had a season where he like he bagged maybe sort of five to ten goals from defensive midfield. Yeah, and was was an absolute staple of your fantasy football team. But he was yeah, great. But then also could misplace a four yard pass and get sent off. Oh yeah, he was he was a liability. That's what Pal- Palacios was. I'd say in in memory the most guaranteed yellow card player <laughs> I've ever seen in a Tottenham shirt. If he was coming on. You knew, and it wasn't even like a case of when. It was like he's going to get a yellow card in the first two minutes. He's on the pitch. It, it was his thing. He just he got he was so hot headed. It was great, but like you know, yeah, it was um, that was of a time. You know, that was when we were quite fun, but pretty patchy to watch. <laughs> um, okay, so who's your goalkeeper? I've gone uh, for Eric Torsvet, um, oh. the big Norwegian, because he's like. I don't, you know, I, again, it might be sort of the nostalgia fact, but yeah, he's the first Tottenham keeper I fully remember being, you know, he's our keeper. Like, I just remember just really loving him. I always loved his his um, his goalkeeper tops. And, you know, he, he, he was a wicked keeper. He was solid. And he was like, he was my first memory of any time when we were relatively good. So that would have been around like the 91 FA Cup final. Like he was... I've, I've, like, if I think of the, like that FA Cup sort of hazy memory I have, he's the person I can think of, like who who picture I picture when I think of that team, which is I weird do. considering some of the other players that were in it. Yeah, I have to admit I don't really remember Torsvet that much. He wasn't he was... like he wasn't the sort of you know he was just a big, tall, lovely looking. <laughs> Gorgeous Norwegian. <laughs> no, he was he was just a tall, quite sort of softly spoken guy from I think he's from Stravanger, which is like just a mid nowhere, it's a nowhere town in Norway. And um yeah, he just you know, he was because there was a bit of a a wasteland period, wasn't there, after Ray Clements, who yeah. R. I. P. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, I think Eric also was the first to really cement that place. And you know we've had some, we've not had much luck with goalkeepers. I think over the years, I think you know I would say probably Lorries is the first who's really been a long term. Oh, we've got a quality. Yeah, you feel comfortable. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was not Gomez who was. <laughs> Gomez would genuinely make saves that would you'd you'd celebrate like it was a goal because it was like that was impossible <laughs> to do. And then the next thing, it just like scuff a free a goal kick or something, and he'd be like, "Oh mate, come on, get the basics sorted." He he, he was a Brazilian goalkeeper, but he he was like he had all the bad traits of a Brazilian footballer. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of your other keepers were sort of um, they were like sort of Premier League staples. They weren't weren't that showy. Weren't like no yeah, Ian Walkers keepers. and stuff like that. Uh, Neil Sullivan. Yeah, Friedel, yeah, Paul Robinson, like just Casey these... Keller. Casey Keller. I remember I went to I went to Berlin on a uh, German history trip, and our history teacher was a big football fan, and we had some bizarre uh, like cultural thing lined up for the evening, and he was like, "Fuck that, we're going to go and watch Hertha Berlin," and so we went to. <laughs> Uh, we went to the Hertha Berlin Stadium where they had what year was the World Cup in Germany? Was it 2006? Um, Might have to look that up. Yeah. But whatever whatever year it was, it was the year that the final was it was the stadium where the final was played. Right. It was this huge concrete beast of a stadium. And it was I think it was I think it was minus eight pitch side it was absolutely Baltic and it was Hertha Berlin against Borussia Mönchengladbach and Mönchengladbach had Casey Keller in goal (laughs) and that was what year was that that would have been 2006 or 7 okay so he must have been pretty old by then yeah 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 he's a good keeper though again yeah it's that thing I think we always just had quite dependable but they weren't gonna, you know, you weren't gonna say they were the best, one of the best in the league. Do you know what I mean? We never yeah. had that. So it wasn't until I think, yeah, I think since Torsvet, who I just loved, and he was really good. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's my even our even with Larice and what Larice has done, and you know, he's brilliant and he's made us such a better team. I think I'll always think of if I if you say to me, who do you imagine in that in that goalkeeper shirt? I'd always think of Eric Torsvet. I think he's just so ingrained in my childhood. I just looked him up on Wikipedia. He scored a goal for Tottenham. Did he? Yeah. What season was that in? I don't know. It just it just says 170-something <laughs> appearances. Quality. One goal. I'm going to see if I can find it on YouTube. I mean, it's going to be... It's got to be a, up for a header, in it? Yeah, last minute. Something like that. Do they it's count penalties against those? Though, so uh, possibly. If they yeah. do, that's might cheating, isn't it? Yeah. Or it might have been like a sort of FA Cup round one, last minute, need a goal against Oxford United. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I'll have to try and dig that goal out. But that's a good start, Eric Torsfet. I, like, I feel he's sort of a good balance of being kind of decent player, but also a bit of a Tottenham cult hero. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah, and yeah, he's a sort of um, he, yeah. He'd be anyone my age. He'd be very sort of seminal too. I think. Yeah. Um, um and then back four. Starting all right, on back the left hand four. Side. All right, let's go. Left back is one I said. I've sort of cheated in that I've put a player in who um was was bought for this position and ultimately went on to play in a different position. That's Gareth Bale, um, who. Yeah. 
because uh, basically it was between two players here, and I thought I've got to go for Bale because overall his um, what he did to the for the club is much greater. But my other favourite left back at Spurs ever is um, uh, Benoit Asuakoto, who <laughs> is I think he's another cult legend of Tottenham fans. Yeah. No I mean, one would ever say the best. Famously hated football, didn't he? Hated football. Um, grew up, you know, on essentially, essentially a council estate on the outskirts of Paris, I believe. And he um, basically was just well good at it. And he just went, <laughs> "Oh well, I can make. I can. This will be. This is my chance to make a living." So he always just had that in the back of his mind. He says he never loved football, never watched it. When you like, yeah. whenever you hear about players like getting home and watching match of the day. He was he was like, he couldn't think of anything worse. Right? It'd be like going, getting home from work and put, watching footage of your work, right? <laughs> and then he um, he drove a smart car. He lived in a little yeah. flat on the river. He didn't live out, you know, all these players that yeah. live out in weird Essex sort of almost created villages of just mansions. <laughs> you know, he just was just a totally different beast, man. But he, And on his day, quality. He loved the Cruyff turn in the box, which is is like a heart stopper. And he was he was never like the greatest defender, but he was good, really good at going forward. Good cross on him. He was a yeah. good attacking left back. Yeah. Have you listened to um, the Peter Crouch podcast? No. Crouch, he, talk, he talks about Benoit Suakote, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically, before every game, he'd like stop off at a Tesco Express and buy like a sandwich <laughs> and just the, the I love him. like least nutritious food you've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. Just have it like in the changing room an hour before a game. I yeah, he it. was a bit of a maverick. But totally. Anyway, he, but I mean, so he, he should have, he, he was, he's on the bench because basically I thought I've got to put Gareth Bale. It's, you know, I yeah. could have put him somewhere else, but I thought I might as well sneakily <laughs> put him in defence because, you know, we got him as a left back. Yeah. And you know he just he, he started. Yeah, he was. We had that terrible period where he first got in the team, and just we couldn't win with him in the team. Do you remember that? Yeah, and, it was like uh, thirty games or something. Wasn't yeah, it? it was horrendous. And then suddenly he started playing well, and then it just it was clear what he could do. And it was next thing you know, he's left mid, and yeah. it was almost it was so quick that he went from left back to basically I'll just play where you want, mate. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that sort of progression. I've never seen it with another player. That's why I thought I've got to put him in. Because obviously yeah. he became a world beater, but it was it was just that I've I've don't I can't think off the top of my head of another player who has had who's literally been a left back or a, mid, a defender and then within a couple of seasons is sort of the talisman of the team playing in a floating role up front. Mm. Just like one of the best players in the world at that time as well. It was Out unbelievable watching him play as well. Like he didn't just yeah. skin him, yeah, you know, and it was. It wasn't your sort of flair as such. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't mm. a messy type. It was. It was almost like this sort of shock and awe style of football. He would just, he'd just do like what you'd see fifteen-year-olds do. You know, like there'd always be a really rapid kid at school, and he'd just kick it past you and run around you, yeah. and you just you were like, I can't do anything about that. It's not. And you'd in your head, you're like, it's not proper football, man. Uh, but that's Gareth Bale just had that ability just to just get on a roll and just steamrolled the whole team and it was incredible to watch for a period of time yeah and it was nice to watch it happen as well at the club it's not like we bought a a world beer we bought just an exciting young left back and then he just somehow over a few years developed into this absolute monster yeah and 
loved it as a Saints fan as well because it just it, you know made us look good, made our yeah. academy look really good. Um, and he was he was kind of like that. He became the player that everyone thought Theo Walcott was going to be. Yeah, he left Southampton. Like, don't get me wrong, amazing career at Arsenal. Um, you know, love love that he's back. Great player, but he he was always touted as being that kind of world class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real Madrid type player and he never quite made it whereas Bale <laughs> went like that's final season at Tottenham and then the first couple of seasons at Real Madrid where he wasn't even really a sort of staple in their team he was playing you know a good few games but he wasn't like Ronaldo he wasn't the talisman no but he won three Champions Leagues in a row <laughs> and scored the winner in one of them right with yeah. an overhead kick it's like his <laughs> career is just you know once you've scored that goal yeah. Like when some people dig him out a bit about how he sort of finished up, at, you know, obviously he's on loan at Tottenham again, but you know, his last couple of years he hasn't played much and gets a lot of criticism for just playing golf and stuff. But you know, he was he's been treated pretty badly by especially by the fans at Real Madrid, like they never yeah. really accepted him. And as you know, as much as you hear things about oh, well, he doesn't speak the language or all this stuff, it's like there's more to it than that. I don't think he ever just from day one they did they didn't really get on board. Yeah, and well, I can see why he might have just switched off a bit and thought I'll just play golf and pick up my check. Because after you've scored the, an overhead <laughs> kick in a Champions League final, that you get to do that. I don't give a shit who you are. You you put your feet up, mate. You've won it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Centre backs. Um, I've gone. I'll give you both of them, and there. One is I think I just don't know if in the modern era you could leave him out because he was he was with us for so long and he was our he was our sort of. You know, our, our rock was Gary Mabbott. You know, I don't think you could leave yeah. Mabbott out. And Ledley King, who then became, I think, the the follow-up to Gary Mabbott, essentially. And also was, I think, a superior footballer, but sadly plagued by, um, you know, uh, his injuries. I, I think, you know, watching Ledley King when he was fit, I've never, I've not seen a better English defender. He was just so, you know, he had that sort of Maldini thing. He just always know where to be. Yeah, it's, and I just thought it was great. I suppose you. I mean, as, as much as it pains me to say it, watching John Terry when he was in his prime was he was quality as well. But like, there is that thing of there's a difference between a, a good centre back and a great centre back, and I think Ledley King had that. Mm. Gary Mabbott was much more of a. I think he saw, he was one of them footballers who bridged that gap between old football and the modern era. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he did it really well. He managed to sort of maintain his career into the Premier League, and like, as it grew and became a, a much more athletic thing and I just think it's you know he, he was quality and you know you yeah. can't really leave someone out who was at the club for something mental like 17 years <laughs> yeah a bit like Gary Mabbott is one of those players that I remember mostly from like collecting stickers yes he was he was I, I always probably had like nine Gary Mabbots in my <laughs> stack of unused stickers that and I was he try, wasn't that's not to a trade not to criticise him or anything, and you know, I'm a big fan of his, but he wasn't the most, you know, he wasn't the greatest looking fellow, was it? You know, you know he's. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't stick him on your door. Like, no. you know, when you used to have like leftover stickers, you'd like just post it, <laughs> plaster your door with all your leftover stickers. Yeah. He, he, he looked like an old school footballer, didn't he? He wasn't a, yeah. a modern, tattooed, nice hair sort of footballer. <laughs> no. And yeah, Ledley King, Emmett Ginn. What a great player. Such a shame. Yeah, even them last bit, the last period of his career when he couldn't train, he was Mm. still playing amazing. But like they just let him 
basically just went for a couple of swims <laughs> and then just would play against, you know, he'd, be a, he'd sort of do a couple of laps of a pool during the week and then be playing Man United on Saturday afternoon. It was, yeah. It's insane that he had that. He was such a good footballer that he managed to maintain a career for as long as he did with the injuries he had. Because I don't think there's many footballers that would be good enough to get away without training. Yeah. And Thierry Henry said he was the toughest defender he ever played against, which is pretty high praise yeah. from Henry. And especially when and you yeah. consider he wasn't the quickest, you know, compared to like, right. he's not, that he was a hit. That's why I think he's like, he's one of the best I can think of. You know, he's up with the Maldini sort of, like, you know, like that. it's a quote that everyone always quotes when they talk about Maldini. He says like, you know, if you've got to make a challenge, you've already made a mistake, that sort of thing. <laughs> that is, you're, you're thinking ahead it's like, you know, yeah. you're, you're always one step ahead of the forwards. And I think Ledley King had that. Sadly, I think he was in a lot of squads that, <laughs> you know, he couldn't mop up everything, could he? <laughs> he started off as a central midfielder, didn't he? I think he, he did. Sort of like and do you remember, he, got, do you remember he had that weird period where he was playing there for England? Yeah. I mean, he didn't make that many appearances for England, did he? I'll look it up. But I think... It's like, like 20 I mean, or something, I think. Yeah. He, he should have made so many more it's just a shame that his knees were made out of Weetabix yeah 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 like yeah he could have really been in especially in that era like early 2000 2004 2006 2008 where we were so close to being a world-class team to have someone like him in our England side yeah 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 would have made such a difference definitely 21 21 appearances for England two goals yeah, he's, he was he was good, and now it's good to see him on the uh, coaching staff, as I say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then right back. Well, I mean, I've actually put I've put a weirdly put a left a left back at right back. <laughs> I just, there was right backs I could think of, but I just thought I'm just going to chuck someone in who actually I have seen play. He weirdly has played there a couple of times when we've been very short, but it's not fun to watch. But sadly, he's now let, departed us. It's Yang Yang Vertonghen I've put in. Because uh, yeah. he, in the modern, you know, in the modern incarnation of Tottenham, when we've been good essentially in the last decade, I think he, you know, I know some people would say Toby Alderweireld better than him, but Jan Vertonghen on his day was such a lovely footballer to watch. So calm, composed, just looked very effortless, and again, he he just could read the game amazingly. I just think, and he just did it with a lovely sort of um, composure to him. Never lost his temper. Just he was just a perfect, a perfect uh, gentleman on the pitch. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about him. Like <laughs> I'm his best man or something. But uh, <laughs> I just loved it. I just love him. I think he's such a. I think he's such a good footballer. And uh, yeah, I was really, I was really grew to love him very quickly when he came to us. Yeah, it was quite graceful, wasn't he? He kind of did both sides of the game. Like he was good on the ball, pretty sweet left foot, but he also. Just chucked himself about and you know, got got battered in some yeah hefty challenges. He wasn't afraid to yeah, and it's yeah. just I think there was it was a nice period that where we suddenly just had loads of Belgians. That was weird. Like <laughs> yeah. we had like five Belgians and they were all great, and also they all seemed like good guys. You know what I mean? It was I always thought it was it sort of was a real contrast with that period of Chelsea where they were all just arseholes. <laughs> I always thought like I was really happy that we had a nice squad. And then, um, yeah, it's just it was it was fun that I just felt like you no know, one would have looked at our team and gone, "He's an arsehole, he's an arsehole. It was like everyone seemed like, "Oh, they like they seem like good eggs or something, whatever you know." 
And I think I think that he was Vertonghen was like the pitcher, um, sort of. What's the, what am I trying to? What's the phrase I'm trying to think of? Like the, like the poster, sort of poster boy. boy of that. Yeah, he was yeah. such a. He just was a nice footballer, and you couldn't say any, a bad word about him. Apart from the yeah. <laughs> towards the end when there was a rumor that he had it off with Christian Eriksen's wife, but that's a different <laughs> beast. You know, <laughs> let's not get into that uh, baseless rumor. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, wouldn't like to be shut down as a podcast <laughs> due to slander in my first ever episode. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, he came across really well in the Amazon documentary as well. Uh, he was sort of just seemed like a genuinely nice bloke. As a as a Spurs fan, how did you feel about that documentary? Well, I've still not watched it because I oh, really? yeah I, I, I I've, I'm still very. Uh, Say not touchy is the wrong word, but I'm still I'm still quite bruised by the Pochettino uh, sacking. Amazingly, yeah. even though it's ages ago, that was I'd say the, the lowest point I've had as as a Tottenham fan in my life. Like I loved yeah. I loved him so much, and I think he, you know, everyone. Well, there's people that will always say, "Well, he didn't win anything, did he?" And it's like it's not about that, mate. If it's about something else, he created something that yeah. felt different to anything I'd experienced as a Tottenham fan in my life. And I just thought to sack him so brazenly, you know, I just give him the season. You can't get to a, you know, Champions League final and yeah. then just sort of give him that few games after and all that. I just thought, you know, it really upset me. So I just, I've never been able to watch that documentary because I don't want to, don't want to go through it again. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> like... it was quite heartbreaking because he's, He's just such a good bloke. Um, and then it was, it did seem like there was a little bit of a, a backlash. Um, just, well, not just with Spurs fans, but with the whole kind of English footballing community. Like, how could you do something to such a nice guy? Yeah. And and such a good manager. Um, but it's interesting you say you haven't watched it because I was sort of going to talk, talk about it. You mentioned Mourinho at the start, how you weren't convinced. I honestly, from having watched that documentary thought that he wouldn't last a, a, a calendar year as Tottenham yeah, yeah like I just did not see it working and the documentary did nothing to to sort of persuade me otherwise and then start of this season Tottenham have just looked like a completely different team Yes, it's weird. I because I'm I've always I'm not I've never been a Mourinho fan from at day one when he you know at, when he was at Chelsea everything I've never yeah it's not my sort of thing you know everyone who finds him so funny because he's like you know he's quite sharp and cutting of people and it's like I get that it's good fun but like when it's about your own players and stuff I think you I, that really annoys me yeah you'd never hear Pochettino say anything bad about one of his own players no matter what they did they could fucking stab someone on the pitch and he'd be like. <laughs> He'd sort of say, you know, let's not jump to conclusions, you know. Whereas <laughs> Mourinho is, Mourinho, so yeah, he's, Mourinho is so quick to throw someone under the bus to deflect from the result and stuff like that, that I've never liked him. I, weirdly, I have sort of, you know, watching him week in, week out and in interviews and that, I do think he's softened a bit as he's aged. So, yeah. you know, he's. I mean, I'm warming to him. But yeah, I can't, I didn't want to watch the documentary because of the Pochettino thing. And also, yeah, I just didn't want to, I, I assumed I'd watch it and be like, Oh God, I hate this guy about Mourinho and the, the knowledge that I'd hate the manager of my football team. I already suspected that was the case. And I, I don't want it being cemented, but yeah, so now yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to avoid it. 
because I'm already softening on Mourinho. This year, a few times he's been interviewed and I've watched it. I'm like, all right, I can live with this. You know, and he's playing, yeah. he's got us playing well. So I'm going to just sort of take that, you know, take my tablets and you know, yeah. accept that I was, you know, I, I, I was quick to write him off and say that he's going to utterly fail at Tottenham and leave. I, I genuinely thought he wouldn't, I thought he'd be gone by now, easily. Yeah, same. And it wasn't like, he didn't come across as hateful in the documentary. It just, just didn't seem to work. It just there was something incongruous about the whole thing, about him and his staff and the players. Um, and I suppose it was a tricky period because they those players were so um, so linked to Pochettino and that team. Yeah, yeah. Done for them. So it would have been a, a tricky period. I I get that. But definitely, I do yeah, think you know maybe. it's helped him that he's bought quite a few new players. So like he's freshened up the squad. They're more his play. You know, he's got a balance of the. Yeah. Of his players versus old players, like quite quite good. Yeah, maybe you can watch the documentary in celebration when you win the title. After we win the title, title yeah, <laughs> I'd still be crying when they sack Poch. <laughs> cool. So back four done. Midfield three. Where do you, do you want to start in the middle? I mean, um, yeah, go on in. I'll start with Luka Modric, another one of the. I would say somebody who was in the bridge between us being shite and being a good team. Yeah. And one of the, I would say Luka Modric is one of them rare things. I'm sure you must have had it as a, you know, if you're not Real Madrid, then I can imagine this happens to most team supporters, probably not Liverpool, Manchester United, because they're their egos. But, you know, do you know, do you ever see a player, when you get a new player and you watch him play for you and you think, this guy's too good for us? You know, you just think, oh, he'll be with us a couple of years and then he's going to be at Barcelona or something. Yeah. Like, that's, that is exactly what happened with Luka Modric. Very early on when I saw him, I was like, this guy is next level. Like, he was so brilliant and calm. And he didn't look like he should be. He, just, he was just a little Slavic-looking weirdo, <laughs> yeah. like a little vampire. And then he was just so brilliant. It's, it's, I've, yeah, I've, I don't think I've seen many better passes of the ball ever in a Tottenham shirt and it was just yeah just it was a matter of time until a big club came and got him yeah I mean talking about watching players at your club who are far too good as a Southampton fan I mean yeah I could I could pick an entire 11 <laughs> players I mean you could because most of them ended up at Tottenham I reckon well yeah Tottenham or Liverpool <laughs> I mean um but yeah Luka Modric again I feel like if you were probably there week in, week out watching him, you saw how great he was. But it was only really when he left um, and went to Real Madrid and was doing it on, you know, a slightly bigger stage. Yeah. And and, and also I feel like football changed. Like he was almost a little bit, even though he was, you know, he's still kind of the modern era. He was almost a little bit before his time. Yes. In the, his style suited Real Madrid when he was there more than it suited Tottenham when he was there. If that makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what a player! Oh, it's just what so good. And one of them players that, like, you know, when you sometimes there's a player who's so good that you don't begrudge them going on to bigger things. You know what I mean? You've got no, yeah. not not a single. It's like it's like with Gareth Bale. Like I didn't have a single bad feeling about him going to Real Madrid. I was like, of course he's going to go. He's literally become one of the best players in the world. And they're the biggest team in the world, like, you know, in sort of, in the, you know, when you think about big teams, I'm not saying they're now the greatest team in the world, but they're just, you think about them as like, if you're a player, of course you'd want to play for them. So, yeah, yeah and some, yeah, I think with 
Modric, I knew that from day one. I was like, he's going to go to one of the biggest teams. And I had total faith he was going to be good. Like, he wasn't going to be one of them people that goes to a big team and then is an utter failure. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, like, you know. Like Jonathan Woodgate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Woodgate, eh? I know. The, the debut from hell. Yeah, was it was own, own goal and sent off? Yeah. Bloody hell. Poor bastard. Incredible. But yeah, anyway, uh, so yeah, Modric so, would be in the middle. Yeah. Either side of him, he's flanked by two of the probably finest flair players in the last, you know, 30 years of Tottenham. And that is uh, Paul Gascoigne and and uh, David Ginola. <laughs> or David. Oh, Let's call him nice. David. Let's pronounce it properly. David, <laughs> David Ginola. Nice. Um, I'd forgotten about Ginola. I was thinking about who your midfield might be. And well, I, I mean, thinking, there's there's yeah. a lot of players. Basically, the players that sort of I, I struggled with, it, there was a real uh, childhood favourite of mine who was not very good, but almost made it into my midfield, which was Vinny Samways. Who, oh, Vinny Samways, another Premier League Merlin stickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny Samways, who went on, uh, when he was at us, he was, um, he was just quite a nice little midfielder, you know, sort of... But yeah, I'd suppose, how would you describe him? He wasn't particularly aggressive or anything. He was just like, he was a good passer. You know, a nice sort of modern footballer, I think. In that, he, yeah. in that time, he was one of the ones who'd be like, they were sort of moving away from the old style of football. But then he went to play in Spain and became like notorious <laughs> as an enforcer. <laughs> he became like the most, like, wasn't he the most um, booked player like a couple of seasons in a row or something? Amazing! It, it was so That's weird. It's, yeah, so yeah, he got, he had I, a I real. He'd gone to Spain, but I didn't realize he'd had such a sort of notorious career. Yeah, he changed to just being uh, like a proper <laughs> sort of Stuart Pearce style, get stuck in type. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he didn't make the cut. Neither did Paul yeah. Walsh, who actually would have played around in the same team. But um, who else? Stefan Frund. Uh, yeah, he was he was knocking around my list. You know, he was um, because he was like sort of a like a proper defensive mid, you know, yeah. a proper beast. You know, what I mean, he was somebody who was fun to watch just end somebody. <laughs> just <laughs> really, he was great as well. Though. He was a solid footballer. You know, he was a very very yeah. good footballer. But yeah, it's just um, was it Stefan Freund who played? He played like hundred games for Tottenham, never scored, and then in his last game. Didn't he like hit the crossbar from forty yards or something like that? <laughs> I'm sure I'm he loved sure the dig as well. That was the thing. You know, like yeah. I love it when there's a um, a midfielder or defender who just loves having a dig, but never <laughs> ever will score. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um. I'm, I'm going to have to find that as well. See if that was Stefan Freund. But yeah, he again he doesn't make it in. So Gazza, no, Gazza, You know, you've got to put him in. Really, yeah. one of the greatest ever technically one of the greatest ever English footballers, but, you know, hampered by his own mental health problems. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I don't, I could, I just couldn't leave him out, really. He was the one that I'd put, I'd made the team, and I was like, ah, oh, sh- I need to make room for Gaza, don't I? Because, yeah. you know, it was, he, and it was, he was, he was, it was just, he was fun to have around the place, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know it sounds, <laughs> that sounds sort of patronising, but, it you know you hear stories about him weirdly like weirdly Eric Torsvet actually is a good one to I think he was quite he used to tell some good stories about when he came to Tottenham and 
just saw how unprofessional English football was. Like <laughs> he couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? He was like a lovely stoic Norwegian. It was just like you know, well, you get up and you train, and then you go to bed. Like you know, then suddenly he's just in this Tottenham squad with Gaza, just getting shit faced, getting them kicked out of <laughs> hotels and stuff. So it sounds like a fun era for for football. It was the end of that old party era, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have too many memories of Gazza. Like, sort of a little bit before my time, that he, that when he was playing in the Premier League. But my one of my defining memories. In fact, there's another really good football podcast called Life Goals. Yeah. Where they get people to pick the eight, like most sort of seminal goals in their life. Ooh. And the Paul Gascoigne goal against Scotland in Euro Euro '96. Oh, was absolutely amazing. One of my eight, even though yeah, you know, not a Tottenham fan. You know, didn't really follow Gaza particularly. It wasn't even really a massive sort of England fan. Yeah, yeah. But just that that goal that summer was like the start of my love of football. <laughs> it was that was um I was I did a I did a podcast the other day, which was about um people whose parents are from somewhere else and like that thing of feeling yeah. like you're in between cultures. And so my parents are Irish, and I didn't feel. I always felt Irish. Like I grew up, my parents were Irish. Yeah. All my family's Irish. Loads of my friends were Irish. Like since we, where we grew up in Tooting in South London, loads of my friends' parents were from Ireland. So they were second generation. So basically we grew up in this weird little almost Irish enclave of London. And it, and I always just assumed, because you know, I just assumed, well, I'm just a, I'm a second generation Irish person. And it wasn't until Euro 96 where I had my sort of English um breakthrough i say it was and it was just i got caught up in the in the excitement of that there was a lovely it was a lovely period for the country you had like new labor coming in and you know they sort of you knew they were going to win the next general election we were coming out of a recession there was euro 96 fucking brit pop it's the whole country was like quality for about five years and then we went and invaded iraq or whatever but it's you know it was just a period that made me i sort of suddenly had this feeling like and actually i'm english i'm born here i was i'm at school yeah. here i'm being raised here you know I, i'm allowed to embrace that part of me and you know that euro 96 campaign was one of the defining features of that yeah also the the source of probably my most heartbreaking football memory which was obviously the semi-final yeah. against germany and again Gascoigne heavily involved in that yeah. when shearer scuffs that shot oh, god the six yard line I still, honestly, I watch it now, and I still think he's going to get there and score. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's heartbreaking. Brutal, it's absolutely really heartbreaking. But, uh, and then David Ginler on the other side. David, not a lot of defensive, mate. Not a lot of defensive work. Not no, none back whatsoever. But I mean, no one's but, getting past Gary Mabbott and Ledley King, mate. If it was safe. Uh, Ginola is. Um, he's one of two people in this team. We haven't got to the other one yet. Who I think was. On their day, one of the best footballers I've ever watched, but really would never be able to do it consistently. And Ginola even more than the second person. But I just he I he, sometimes he would do things that would so like you know, I say such a weird word to use, but he was a sexy footballer. You know what I mean? He, <laughs> not just how he looked and spoke and carried himself, but. Just, you know, he would just do little flicks and turns and, you know, it was beautiful to watch. You know, he'd be, he'd be a manager's nightmare, I reckon. 
but just watching like when you talk about seminal goals you saw that made you fall in love with football his one in the FA Cup against I think it's Barnsley yeah um it's just one of them goals where it's not he doesn't run the length of the pitch but you know it's he's on the halfway line down on the left touchline and he just skins up like five people and just score yeah. it's just so, and it's lovely it's, you know, he, and he just had that. Sometimes he would just be beautiful to watch, wasn't it? What's his name? Um, Johan Cruyff said that he's that he was the best footballer in the world. He, that he, at that point, yeah. he said <laughs> David Ginola is the best footballer in the world, and obviously That's that high was praised. it's high praise. But I think it, I think it forget it, it forgets the fact that he wasn't consistent enough. Do you know what I mean? That's why yeah. he never kicked on and did it on the biggest stage. He was always at, you know, I mean, he was at Paris Saint-Germain and that, but like, yeah, he just, I don't think he ever became a world beater because his, he just didn't have the consistency. You need to do that. I don't know if that was because his head wasn't in it or what, but you know, he just, I think yeah, he was one of the most skillful players I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's one of those players where I think if you were, if you were to select his 10 best goals, that he scored, they they would just be yes unbelievable. He'd be one of the best. Like Matt Letizia is number one, obviously. Yeah, of course. Top <laughs> yeah. ten, like his his ten best goals. Every one of them from about forty incredible. yards. Yeah, just... It was just like an alien. It was a freak. It was madness. Then, you know, like Thierry Henry. Yeah, he scored some incredible goals. Yeah, yeah. But I think David Ginola, like, is it when you think of the incredible reckon, goals. Do you know who'd have a good selection? Would be Yaboa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'd have a cracking show reel, wouldn't he? I feel like he's got two incredible goals, and then no one remembers any other. He probably (laughs) scored like like forty eight tappings and then two (laughs) unbelievable volleys, but everyone just remembers him for that. Um, Yeah, yeah. Schindler, great player, lovely big guy as well. Like, not there was that whole thing about him being overweight, which uh, you know, then he ripped his shirt off and he He was shredded. He was, he was a he was a big guy like he was he was strong he was yes. powerful it wasn't like a sort of you know nippy little winger who no. was also quite good on the ball he was an absolute unit he was yeah and he's just he just yeah he just had that he did have that slightly lazy style about him you know he wasn't yeah. chasing down when he lost it and things like that so i think sometimes i think we assume a footballer is fat because they're a bit lazy <laughs> you know you just can't help it's like Rooney isn't it yeah. everyone just go Rooney's fat and he's not always yeah. an athletic sportsman but he's just a bit stocky and he's yeah. not you know he's just not you don't I mean Rooney at times would run all over the pitch but you know sometimes you look at a player and they're not darting back and forth and you just sort yeah. of convince yourself they're out of shape and it's like what are you talking about they're, they're a premier league athlete yeah and also I feel like it- all the players that people used to um, claim were overweight were always like amazing players. And it was like, well, if they are a little bit overweight, they're still better than most of the players that they play with and against. Yes. Like Rooney, Frank Lampard, David Ginola, all the people that would be like, oh yeah, a bit fat. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Lampard was, he wasn't fat. Yeah, he was just a bit bigger. Also, <laughs> he was the best English midfielder for the last 20 yeah, years, yeah, yeah. even with that. So. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> I'm sure, he doesn't lose sleep over the fact that people call him fat. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet he smoked as well. Do you know when you see a footballer? I bet, you're yeah. car, I bet they have a few cheeks. I bet half time yeah. they're out of the back fire exit, <laughs> having a little, yeah. having a little Marlboro Red. Yeah. Ginola must have. He must yeah. have smoked. Ginola. Definitely smoked like a chimney. But, um, right. Okay. Front midfield. three. 
Midfield done. So front three. Now, I was thinking about this beforehand. I think, I although, again, you know, famously haven't won anything for ages, you know, good sides, but not really competed. I think strikers for Tottenham is an area of strength. Oh, You've we've had got a lot of incredible strikers. And I, um, I'd be fascinated to hear who your, your favourite three are. Are they three... Like that would complement each other, or they're like just three out and out strikers now fighting think, to get in the box. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they would complement each other massively. <laughs> um, I, I could see it somehow working, but like you know, there's people like Robbie Keane didn't make it in. You know, he'd he'd be oh, the most yeah. classic sort of running onto the ball type of striker. Sheridan yeah. didn't make it, and you know he was oh. magnificent. Uh, but my the three I've gone for, I'll just give you the three, and then we can work through it. Is um and one of them might be a slight surprise, but again, this is down to he's he'd be the other one with uh Ginola. But um so first one is like Klins- surprises. Klinsman, Kane, yeah. and Berbatov. Nice. So I mean, I don't think Klinsman's that that much of a shock. I think you know he was yeah he was that I t- I'll tell you why I've picked Klinsmann. It's not just that he was literally a world-class striker. You know, he was genuinely one of the best strikers in the world at one point. Yeah. And it was the fact that it was so weird when he came to Tottenham when we were essentially a mid-table team <laughs> struggling. Yeah. And, you know, it, he, it was just... I just remember that period being like... I, I couldn't understand what was happening. I didn't know why he was with us. You know, it, was, it yeah. just felt like a prank or something. And and he just yeah. he just brought that energy up when he came and you know he's he was great to watch he was fun and you know I remember being I think I was twelve years old and my I went to Tottenham Palace but I was in the Palace end because my mate was a Palace fan and he'd got he'd he had a spare ticket so I just went with him and I think it might have been when was that would that have been that was his first time at Tottenham Glinsman. It might have been his first goal for us. I can't remember anyway. Um, but no, he basically he scored a last minute equaliser. You know, this is how yeah. this is how bad things used to be. This was the most exciting thing that happened. We got a last minute equaliser <laughs> against Palace. Uh, but <laughs> but I remember him just scoring his goal, and I was so excited. He went off and did the Klinsman dive and all that, and it was just yeah. I was so good. And yeah, I just think it, there was that. It was it brought it just it made it made the club feel like a better place for a period of time because we had a genuine world-class player in yeah. the in the midst of what I think would have been probably the worst period of our history for for, for years. Yeah. I think two things that stick out about Klinsman. One, I feel like he was the first, certainly that I remember, like the first kind of showbiz player that came to the yes. Premier League. Like, or not the, the first, obviously there were loads before that, but like the one that made me think of you know, showbiz kind of Hollywood type players, yeah, big, yeah. big name coming across. I mean, my sort of sphere of reference in the early nineties for <laughs> a kind of Eastern European and Germans was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So yeah, yeah. it was basically like the Arnie of, of, uh, of Premier League football. Um, and then the second one was just the amount of horrendous grass burns trying to, re- yes. uh, trying to do his celebration well that was it it was, a, it was another one it was a cultural shift wasn't it yeah. it was a real yeah, yeah. he he basically influenced every playground in the uk yeah and so, the first person in the premier league to have like 
a celebration named after them as well. Yes. The Clins- yeah. So I'm yeah. Just looking up, he only played he only played forty one games for Spurs. Yeah, in he, his what, first stint. He was there what was that must have been two seasons? Yeah. yeah. Season? I, yeah, it must have been I, I think it was two seasons. Yeah. I forget that he was there for such a short period of time. But what was it, ninety four to ninety six, I think was the first yeah, uh, yeah, ninety four to ninety five. Ninety five. Forty one games, twenty one goals. That's an incredible. It was, it was quality. He was yeah, he was great. Yeah. And then it and then what was it ninety eight, wasn't it? Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. Alone, and he scored nine goals in fifteen games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Well, it's unbelievable. It's thirty goals in fifty six games <laughs> for Tottenham. It's crazy. Incredible player. Yeah, he was brilliant. Like so, he. I'd say you know he was the best striker I'd ever seen at Tottenham. Yeah. Up until, I would say, um, let's say I would say Berbatov. Like, and let's talk about Berbatov quickly, and then we'll finish yeah. on Kane. So I do think it's nice to end on the, like, in terms of the squad, end on the, the current talisman. But Berbatov, I think, is again with Ginola is basically the I, I think on his day the best footballer I've ever watched. Essentially, like, yeah. just do things. Because, you know, it's that thing of, you know, I think Kane currently, the way he's playing, is probably the best all-round striker game I've ever seen a player at Tottenham yeah. have. You know, and watching Luka Modric, he was like the most complete sort of midfielder I've ever seen at Tottenham. And But Berbatov, I think, just did things I've never seen anyone else do. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. sort of just ability to do something that would leave you scratching your head. Yeah. yeah, and also, and in the same breath, it'd be such a lazy prick <laughs> that you, it'd be so frustrating. But yeah, on, I, I saw him just play games where I was like, "That's that's never going to be. I'm never going to see anything like that again." Yeah, and another player who's universally liked, I think. Yeah, like, even though he was at Tottenham and then Man United, just everyone was like in awe of how good he was. And this is a sign that, you know, Tottenham fans did really, you know, he, they found him frustrating at times because, you know, he wasn't, the, he wasn't the most prolific striker, but, you know, yeah. he was, when he played with um, Robbie Keane, that was a, that was a pairing, that was. Yeah. You know, and it was the perfect, they complemented each other. But like, when he left, it, I, even though he went to Man United, I still think he, he almost left on good terms. Like, people didn't begrudge him. They knew yeah. that, they knew we knew how good he was. We knew that he'd at that point, you know, grow, outgrown us. I think, and it yeah. was almost like, oh, all right, he deserves this. There was no like, go on. There was no like, go fuck yourself. So <laughs> it was actually quite. I, I don't know. A few people would grumble, but overwhelmingly, most people went, yeah, he's quality, and you know, he's they, look at their team. It's better than ours, so he deserves it. Have you ever watched? Um... There's this series on Sky that Gary Neville does, the soccer box, where he he has like guests come in and they watch a couple of games that they sort of played together in or played against each other. And no. he's had like he's had like Steven Gerrard, um, Paul Scholes, Sol Campbell, those kind of guys. Right. Um and he has Dimitar Berbatov in one of the episodes. And obviously they played together for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. And they were watching some of his best goals for Tottenham Man United. And Gary Neville was like, I, I remember it used to be so frustrating because you'd have so many chances and we'd be like, just go on, like smash it, just fucking smash it. And he'd be like, 
<laughs> just sort of take another couple of touches, do a Cruyff turn, and then dink the keeper. <laughs> going over, like, why didn't you just smash it? And Berbatov was like, well, it's just so ugly. Like, so <laughs> it's just not beautiful. I want to score beautiful goals. I don't want to score, you know, just smashing it in from two yards. I want to score beautiful goals that people remember. And that just sums him up, I think. Well, it does. And it also, it, I think it feeds into the that narrative of Tottenham that I don't think it's a self-proclaimed thing. I do think over the years, we've been known as a team that up until recently, you know, when we've actually started being able to defend, people would have said forever, even during our low periods, we could always play nice football. We could score nice yeah. goals. We could do nice, flary things. But we just would always mess it up with our defending, and we'd you know we'd lose a lead and all that stuff. So, but like Berbatov is the archetypal sort of Tottenham player, isn't he? That's all about the magic and yeah. the love of the of of good football, rather than just about winning at all costs. You know, yeah, and another chain smoker as well. And an, well, so apparently that's a list. myth. You know, I saw an interview with him where they yeah, asked really? him about the smoke, and he says he doesn't smoke. He said it was a it was a myth. So I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I feel like I've specifically seen pictures of him with cigarette <laughs> I mean, in hand. It could just be an absolute like, liar, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It would be the kind of thing he would do, just to smoke like habitually, yeah, and then just completely deny all knowledge of it. <laughs> That's pretty Berbatov move, that. So, okay, Klinsman and Berbatov, and then I've got to go Kane. Legend. I think Berbatov. I genuinely like. I couldn't leave him out because. Yeah. It's not just on this season, it's on every season for the last four years, whatever, you know, it's he's yeah. I, I, I remember there's a, a podcast called The Fighting Cock, which is a really fun Tottenham podcast, and I'd go on it now and again. And you know, they're real like militant Spurs fans and they know their stuff. And I remember doing that podcast when Kane first started kicking around the first team, and we were all laughing and joking about how crap he was. Like <laughs> genuinely he just he didn't look like he was ever going to become an elite striker you know he yeah. tall and gangly and you know he was fast but he didn't look like he was fast and he looked a bit gormless and we were just like <laughs> this kid is not going to make it in the premier league and you know yeah. we would you would have we would have bet money on that and just watching him develop into such a good player like you know there was that first couple of seasons where he really nailed it and he was just quality and he was like you know he'd run in behind he'd score these lovely yeah. goals and then watching him develop the other part of his game where this season like his assists are better than most top level midfielders yeah he's just got everything he's become he's an all-round he can head it he can just he's got he's he's unreal like you know it's uh it's i think he if he carries on at this trajectory i don't even know you know he's going to be class as one of the best of all time if he carried on even like you know it's just it's he's currently unplayable almost yeah and he can play anywhere it feels like a bit like um wayne rooney when he got a bit older and the goals started drying yeah. up he just sort of just decided that he wanted to play central midfield and was the best central midfielder that <laughs> man you had yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like i feel like kane could be that kind of player as well, well there was a period um against city where in the second half he he'd made the most challenges so successful challenges <laughs> and it was like what is going on and he directly he was dominating the whole match <laughs> yeah. it just i just think i didn't you can't it's hard to understand it when you watch these 
his yeah, and his passing range, I've it, it yeah. just blows your mind when you see it. You can just what do you think about out. all these? Um, what do you think about all this stuff about him diving? As a Tottenham fan, that's probably that's probably the only part of his game I think he should lose. You know, he should iron it out. Yeah. And I don't. It's that horrible thing because I get it. I get that he's um, just playing the game, isn't he? Everyone yeah. does it. There's not, you know, there's not a single team uh, that doesn't have players that do it. You know, it's happened to everyone. Every one of us has has had it happen to us, where a player sort of essentially buys a penalty, whatever. But you know, I, it's a bit I don't like about him. I don't like, the, but that is if I suppose you've got to see that he is a young bloke who's he's he's been forged by the modern game, and the modern game involves playing up to the new strict rules, isn't it? So yeah. as much as I don't like that about the modern game, it's sort of yeah, it's the only negative I can find about him. Yeah, I get that. It's it's kind of part of the game, um, and yeah, I would agree. Sort of he almost does it a little bit too much for it to be kind of considered a kind of wily dark art part of the game. It's it, sometimes it's, it stands, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jack Grealish is the king of it, but yeah. Harry Kane is, is a little bit like, sometimes you just, you'd be like, oh, just, if you'd have just stayed on your feet and. Yeah. Playing, I will say he's, um, would love you. what he's very, I mean, I mean, he does, he does, he also does get, fouled a lot which is i think which i think it almost skews the stats you know i mean if you're getting fouled loads you know imagine you imagine you get fouled once in a game and you dive once that's a terrible you know ratio in it yeah (laughs) if you get fouled 30 times and you dive twice whatever you know because you're sort of you're just trying to you know get get one back whatever like i sort of get it but yeah no i'm not i'm not somebody who defends it i think it's it's annoying do you know what i mean because you've got yeah. to see it. It's annoying when it happens to you. So obviously, if I don't want it to happen to us, I don't. I don't think yeah. we should be doing it to other people. Yeah, I um I went to watch Spurs against Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. End of last season, well, no, beginning of last season. Um, I think you won five nil, and Harry Kane was the best player on the pitch by. A country mile. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, like next to him, Deli Ali looked like a competition winner. You know, like yeah, was, yeah. He was just such a level above everybody else. I mean, admittedly, it was Red Star Belgrade, so yeah, the opposition yeah. weren't, weren't great, but it just everything. And that was the first time I sort of realised not just oh, yeah, he's got a great goal scoring record, he's a great striker, but everything that he did. Yeah, that's what people was don't just world class. Other fans don't see him. Yeah, it happens with everyone, doesn't it? That way, like, yeah. but it, I, I, I can't help but think he's one player who does not get the. I really don't, you know, respect is the wrong word. Cause, you no, know, you don't. Why would you give respect to another team's player? But yeah, you know, I, I often hear recognition. Liverpool yeah. fans and stuff, sort of dig him out or try and try and underplay how good he is and I, I think it's a mixture of the fact they don't get to watch him week in week out mixed with them just you know not having the ability to admit it to themselves that we've got a world-class player uh, because yeah. you know he's yeah he like you say you watch his all-round game it's unbelievable there's not a single flaw in it you know apart from taking out the fact that you know the sort of the the diving issue in terms of the actual play he is unbelievable i can't you can't find a fault no um the only yeah the only current spurs player to make it into your team yeah that's that is uh, 
Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Which is, um... No place for Son. I feel like if you did this podcast in four years' time, then Chung Min Son would be in it. Yeah, I mean, he's sn- he'd be sniffing around it anyway. He's, he's one of my... I'd say he's one of my favourite all-time players already. But, yeah, yeah I think it's just... Uh, it's between him and Kane out of the current ones to make it into this all-time eleven, and uh, it's great. I mean, it's weird going to a Tottenham match, um, like now. Obviously, now at a big stadium and stuff. Obviously, not this yeah. twenty twenty, but like obviously, he's brought in loads of Korean fans. And <laughs> what's really funny is it's it's kind of weird that basically when they get when he gets subbed off, if he gets subbed off at like sixty minutes, they'd all just leave, man. <laughs> so you just get like this eight hundred people get up and leave. <laughs> it's like it's really disconcerting, but it's quite you know, it's nice that they 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 can you know, they get to see one of their players playing at that level. Yeah. That's like the story um when Park Ji Sung, when he was at Man United, they yeah, went yeah. on a tour of South Korea, and they played in in the summer. They played some like exhibition games, some friendlies, and uh, Parky Song came on for United in something like the eighty second minute and got man of the match. It's <laughs> 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 like it's just so partisan. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely biased towards their their countrymen. Of course, so good. Cool. Okay, so team done. Who? Um, who is your captain? You've got quite a few options for captain in that team. Who have I got? I went, I've, I've noted down uh, Ledley King. I thought he's got to be, yeah. you know. It's uh, yeah, it's him or Mabbott, but I think Ledley King just for, yeah. in terms of, I was still young. When, I was very young when Mabbott was still at his peak, whereas I got to watch Ledley King at his peak. So I think he was the boss, mate. He's going to be the captain. Yeah. <laughs> Good shout. And then... Uh, who's on penalties again probably another obvious one it's Kane I've, yeah, I've never seen him miss one he's so consistent uh, yeah I don't think there's anyone else that was sort of famously good at penalties did Klinsman take penalties um, I, I think he did I, I've seen, I remember seeing him in penalty shootouts yeah. but uh, and he was pretty good at them but yeah I just think you know you've got to go with the person who's currently just I've got basically a 100% record in it <laughs> yeah I've done this podcast a couple of times with Southampton fans, and it's just like there's no point even asking that question. Like Matt Letizia, oh yeah, cool. I think he, I think he took forty, something like forty six Premier League penalties and scored forty five. <laughs> it's just like there's just no point asking that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you you are the manager. Yeah. Who is your assistant manager? Which Spurs manager? past or present is, uh, <laughs> after my uh, talking about how much I love Poch it'd be funny yeah. if I just went like Christian Gross no uh, <laughs> it's probably it's got to be Pochettino I just I love him he's such a yeah good man isn't he I saw I saw him in a suit shop in um where is it Mayfair I was with a mate who needed to buy like a pocket square or something we went into, <laughs> it went into a posh suit shop and Pochettino was in there with his wife, I presume, and uh, and I was so enamoured, but I couldn't bring myself to go and say anything. So I was like, "He's out shopping with his wife, and it looks like they're just really having a nice time." And I was like, "I love him too much to interrupt." Yeah. <laughs> and do you know he was an absolute unit as well? Do you know because he was obviously a centre back, wasn't yeah, he's he? A big guy. It's a big, yeah. big guy. You didn't, you wouldn't think it to see him, but um, yeah, I yeah. think he's got to be. You know, he's he's in there just because. There's nothing he could do 
that in you know there's yeah. no, no he's got no negative marks against his record for me yeah you know, he can speak like perfect English as well. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Like, the whole thing when he came over to the Premier League as Southampton manager and was just sort of refraining from doing any interviews in English and kind of being a bit guarded. Yeah. I spoke to Ed Chamberlain, who used to work on Sky Sports, and he was like, yeah, he speaks absolutely perfect English. Like, <laughs> I don't know why he used to do that. Just to un- speak to people. unveil it. Yeah. He might <laughs> yeah, have exactly. still been learning it. And he might have just been waiting until he felt it was it was good enough. Maybe. Which only makes me love yeah. him more. What a legend. Uh, and then finally, what kit is your Tottenham team going to be wearing it's from go- what era? I mean, it's going to be probably the, I'd say the one that most people would associate with Tottenham, which is a 91-92 Holston, probably. Okay. I think that's good. That's yeah, the most nice. seminal Tottenham kit. That's your, and I will say, a Tours Vets uh, goalkeeper shirt from that year was quality. I, them 90s goalkeeper kits were out of control. Do you know what I mean? They were just yeah. so... They were like proper... They were essentially like hipster before their time, weren't they? <laughs> There's the Sky Sports money coming in. Yeah. They were just like, let's just spend it on the most outlandish goalkeeper kits <laughs> we can find. Um, but yeah, I'd go for that. The other one I really like, in the one I most like in recent time is the 2016. Um, it's the one that AIA won... It had like navy shoulders with white navy shoulders, that kind of yellow trim, and it was lovely. It was really slick and cool. But um, but I okay. think just for the nostalgic the reasons, ninety one, ninety two, yeah. Nice, cool. I will. Uh, I'll read your team back to you. Yes, and then you can decide whether or not you've uh, you've made any fatal errors. <laughs> so, in goal, you've got Eric Torsvet. Left back, slightly unfamiliar position, Gareth Bale. <laughs> Gary Mabbott and Ledley King uh, in the centre of defence. Ledley King's wearing the armband. Yeah. Jan and right back. It's quite a sort of makeshift back four. Like, but I mean, right Gareth back, Bale. Apart from, I'm trying to think of, yeah. like, you know, apart from Kyle Walker. Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr. Staltieri. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> not a vintage selection of right. No, really, it's not so an area of strength. I'm going to trust Jan's calm head to to be there. Nice. Okay, midfield three: Gaza, Luka Modric, David Ginola. Yes. And then a front three. I've gone Klinsman on the right, Berbatov on the left, and Kane in the middle. Yeah. Is that are you, are you good with that? I, w- I would say yes. I would. I would be comfortable with Klinsman and Kane swapping as well. Kane just dropping right. back a bit. Well, this is your team. You're the manager. So I'd probably you, do you that just because currently Kane's okay. sitting back a little bit and letting Son run on, and Klinsman was excellent at running into space. So I'm gonna, I'm All gonna right. go for that. Klinsman in the middle. Yeah. Kane on the right. Happy with that? I am very happy with that. Excellent. Who were the pissed options that didn't make it? Have you talked about them? Um, a few of them I've mentioned, like Sheringham, and you know, I know that in terms of yeah. the funny ones, it was, yeah, people like Vinny Samways and. Paul Walsh and um, you know there was players I really liked that served the purpose of time. I really liked Scott Parker when he was at, uh, uh, like yeah. you know again it was that it felt like it was a different he felt like he was from a different time didn't it he was like some sort of some 1940s yeah. footballer had been transported yeah. into your squad he always looked like he had really long shorts on yeah. him, like, a, like a sort of post-war footballer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, you know, there's players that I, I've got a lot of love. 
four over the years that no one's really going to put them into their best 11 but for some reason yeah, out of uh yeah nostalgia and fondness they almost made it but i uh, no, i'm sticking to the the solid team i've gone for good stuff it's a good side yeah I that's a, it is i mean it, we've point. had some very good players over the years you realize yeah every team i suppose if you went through your best 11 you're yeah. going to be able to knock up something pretty special aren't you yeah be interesting to see if we ever have any other guests who are Spurs fans. See what the crossover is. Yeah, because I think, like I said, especially up front, that someone could pick an entirely different front three, and people would be like, "Yeah, that's that's absolutely justified." Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, we'll see how we go. Well, somebody we'll the older ones would probably, you know, you'd have some somebody would have to put in Jimmy Greaves, wouldn't they? Or you know, yeah. these are sort of people that are of an older generation, you could go back and pick players from the 60s that would, you know, on paper be in our best 11. But could they do it in the modern game? That's what I like to say. Yeah. You can't. I know it's sort of it's easy to say how great these old players and managers and teams were, but you've got to think that the, the, the sort of the training and the, the fitness levels and stuff now, yeah. I think like even the best you know, I'd say weirdly. Obviously, we're recording this on the day that sadly Maradona has died. Are you aware of that news? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did find that out just before. Yeah, which is very sad. Yeah, it came on. But very I'd say sad. like very rarely do you see a player that played that long ago that you think, all right, he was probably good enough. He could do it in the modern game. But yeah. most of them players, when you watch like the when you watch like the '66 World Cup. None of them are getting in the modern game. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but uh, they're not yeah. going to make it. I saw lots of stuff about Maradona um, today. Obviously, such you know, really sad news. Um, he played a game for Tottenham. Did you know that? Did he? He played uh, a test. He played in Aussie Ardiles. Ah, that would match. make sense. Of course, it would. And he wore. He wore. There's a picture of him in. I think it was probably just before that 91 Holston shirt, but I think it was very similar, that yeah, yeah. iconic ah, white strip. See, that shows it was, that would have just been yeah. all my do memories you in <laughs> I might do. Well, again, like even then you mentioned Ozzy Ardidas and there's like Ricky yeah. Villa and all that. You know, there's there's loads of players that were just in the generation Oddle. before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lo- there's loads yeah. of players that just were before my time. So I'd feel a bit disingenuous putting them in because it would be based yeah. on what other people saw of them rather than me. No, I think you've, I think you picked a, a solid team. In most, most late eighties, uh, <laughs> Premier League fans like me, we're a big fan of a lot of those players. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Carl, appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for talking us through your ultimate 11. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, yeah. Nice. No, it's, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Cheers.